on, give him one more hand clap of praise. Amen. Amen. Remain standing. We're going to go to 2 Chronicles chapter 14. 2 Chronicles chapter 14. We're going to Old Testament this morning. It will be on the screen for your convenience this morning. The Bible says this. When Abba died, he was buried in the city of David. Then his son Asa, somebody say Asa, became the next king. And there was peace in the land for 10 years. And Asa did what was pleasing and good in the sight of the Lord his God. He removed the foreign altars and the pagan shrines. And he smashed, somebody say smashed, the sacred pillars and cut down the Asherah poles. And he commanded the people of Judah to seek the Lord. I want you to seek God, the God of our ancestors, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And not only to seek him, but to obey his law and his commands. And so Asa also removed the pagan shrines as well as the incense altars from every one of Judah's towns. And so Asa's kingdom enjoyed a period of peace. Two more verses. And during those peaceful years, somebody say those peaceful years. Look at your neighbor and say those peaceful years. He was able to build up. Somebody say build up. The fortified towns throughout Judah. And no one tried to make war against him at this time. For the Lord was giving him rest from his enemies. Aren't you glad for rest from your enemies? Oh, maybe you haven't been there. In a season where it just feels like you have to toil and fight at every single turn. I came to tell somebody this morning there's rest in the presence of the Lord. One more verse. And Asa told the people of Judah... Let's build towns. Let's fortify them with walls, towers, gates, and bars. The land, this is key, the land is still ours because we sought the Lord our God. And he has given us peace on every side. So they went ahead with these projects and brought them to completion. I want to preach to you for a few moments this morning. This is Heaven Invade Part 4, right? Heaven Invade Part 4. And I want to preach to you on the subject We owe them a move of God. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, we owe them. Oh, come on. I need you to be. I know it's nine o'clock. Come on. I've had my coffee this morning twice. I'm ready to go. So I need you to be ready to go too. Look at your neighbor and say, we owe them a move of God. Come on. Say with some sass. Say, we owe them a move of God. Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for our time together in your word. God, do what you sent it to accomplish to do in Jesus' name. Everybody says, amen. You may be seated on your way down. Somebody say, we owe them. We owe them. We owe them. We owe them. Trying out something new today, y'all. I said every pastor needs a a headset mic. Come on, you know. The St. Janet Jackson's mic. Amen. You remember those big microphones? Like three of you do. Okay, cool. Uh, we're trying out something new today. Look at your neighbor one more time and just say, we owe them. We owe them. You see, every generation inherits something. Every generation inherits something. We inherit our looks, our personalities, our habits. And whether or not we like where we came from, unfortunately, We have our family's DNA. 
Somebody just look at your neighbor and say, you ugly, but God loves you anyway. <laughs> you got that DNA. And some of us don't like our DNA. We don't like the nose we got. Come on. I hate that there are people in this world that can eat whatever they want and still look like they ate a salad at every meal. Is there anybody in the house that hates those people? Come on. You pray for me. I'm a little jealous. I look at food and I gain weight. Come on. Because it's in my DNA. We don't always like what came through our DNA. We don't like the, the traits, the characteristics, the habits. And isn't it interesting that as you grow up, you say, well, I'm never going to do it like my parents did. And then once you have kids, you find yourself doing the same exact things that they did because it's in your DNA. And just like in the natural, in the kingdom, we gain kingdom DNA through inheritance. Now, this is done through the order of fathers and sons. This is how the kingdom works, through fathers and sons. Fathers and sons. Somebody say fathers and sons. We should be able to come under the authority of a father and a mother and become like them. Now, the goal, the ultimate goal is to be like who? Like Jesus. But earthly authority should be replicating heavenly characteristics. I don't want my little girl Sadie to grow up and try to find fulfillment in another man because I never gave it to her as a father first. As fathers, let me talk to you this morning, dads, we should be previews of what the heavenly father wants to do in their life. Ooh, come on. See, this is dangerous because I could clap for myself. Come on. We should be a replication of what the heavenly father looks like. And so earthly authority should be replicating heavenly characteristics and values. But unfortunately, many of us have experienced earthly authority that did not. But what's interesting is Paul said, don't be me. Don't try to be Paul. Imitate me. Imitate me. What was he saying? I want you to be like Jesus, but you're going to imitate me, imitate my DNA, imitate my characteristics in order to become like Jesus. Because everyone needs the order of father and son. Because you see this morning, my DNA is found in Jesus. Now, how can you tell if someone's really someone's kid? It's by the way they act, right? No. Because you can act one way in front of people and be a totally different person at home. If someone wants to say, I don't really know if, if Sadie and Grayson are your kids, Pastor, although they act just like me and just like Pastor Faye, that's not the real proof. The real proof is in a DNA test. Y'all ever seen, is it Maury? Is that how you say it? Well, I don't know if she's mine. <laughs> Who, who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Look at your neighbor and say, who's your daddy? Come on. It's not found in what you do. It's found in your DNA. Now, this should free somebody this morning 
Because the Bible does not say that we are saved by works. Uh, We're not saved by what we do. We're saved by grace through faith. When I say yes to Jesus and receive salvation, I am given a new identity. Come on. You can fake it in front of people and be someone totally different. It's in the DNA. Someone say it's in the DNA. And fruit in the kingdom, we talk about fruit all the time, is what reveals our DNA. I can know your DNA by how you act all the time. Because Jesus said you'll be able to judge a tree by the fruit it bears. Now, he wasn't saying you need to go around and be judgmental all the time. That's not what Jesus was saying. He's saying you'll be able to to recognize what a tree is by the fruit that it's bearing. Because you can't look at an apple tree and say that's a banana tree. It's an apple tree because that's the fruit that it bears. It's in its DNA. You still with me this morning? So Jesus said you'll be able to tell who's real by the fruits they're bearing. Their DNA will be evident. But what is so unfortunate is that the DNA of a move of God, of revival, has never been successfully carried from one generation to another. One generation starts off strong. They have a move of God, Azusa Street, Cane Ridge Revival, whatever you want to call it but fails to properly hand it off to the next generation without losing momentum. And the problem with this is every generation ends up having to forge their way into kingdom purpose and authority instead of being taught it from the get-go. So every generation has to struggle to find what they should have been given. And now we come to the story of Asa. Asa is the son of a king. A king who was evil. And Can y'all hear me now? There we go. I don't know what's going on back there, but. Everybody say, praise Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, you look good. Come on. There we go. Am I live now? Okay. (laughs) You look good. Asa is the son of an evil king. And instead of inheriting a kingdom that was built on the ways of God, he inherits a mess. He inherits a mess. Because you see, his father had given his life and the nation of Israel to the worship of idols. And now Asa has inherited all the mistakes that his father made. And you see, I believe that generational curses exist. I believe they exist. You know why? I've watched people in my family drink themselves to death Come on, drink themselves to literal death because of a generational curse of alcoholism in my family. 
I believe that generational curses exist. And Asa had to watch his father mess up things not only for his father, but for him. But the beautiful thing about this is Asa had a choice. Because this is the beautiful part of anyone's story. Just because they were doesn't mean you have to be. Just because they were a drunk doesn't mean you have to be. Just because they were addicted, I feel like preaching this morning, doesn't mean you have to be. Just because they were in poverty doesn't mean you have to be, boo-boo. Just because they struggled doesn't mean you have to. Just because their marriage ended in divorce doesn't mean yours has to. I came to expose the devil this morning. You don't have to live the way they did. You don't have to be what they were because when you come in Christ, you are a new creation. Give God some praise right there when you come Christ every generational curse is broken shoo come on I've received new DNA when I come into Jesus so Asa had a choice look at your neighbor and say he had a choice and he made it and it would follow God and so Asa cleans house. He removes every single idol, altar, and shrine. Hodge, if you can get my prop for this morning. Thank you, sir. And some of us, you see, don't really understand why we still struggle with stuff. Could it be that we stopped doing it, but we never tore down the system that supported it? You could tweet that one. Come on. We stopped doing the stuff, but we never tore down the thing that held it up. Because you see, many times in our life, we find identity in the things we do. Thank you, sir. Asa says, my father has messed it up, but I'm not going to be. I am going to change things, not only for me but for my nation. And in order for a system to stop producing fruit, it must be destroyed. Are you with me this morning? He says, I'm going to clean house. And I know what you're thinking. Pastor, I don't have pagan shrines in my house. I'm not bowing down to worship idols. I'm not burning incense. Some of y'all are. No, I'm just kidding. Essential oils. No, I'm playing. I'm playing. I don't have idols in my house, Pastor. I don't have altars in my house. Yes, you do. You know how you constantly talk negative and then you wonder why you're depressed? I don't know why I'm always depressed. Could it be you're constantly negative and you're building an altar on that thing and because you continue to worship it, it never goes away? Come on. Could it be the reason that you still struggle with pornography is because you never tore down the altar of lust? 
constantly saying, I'm a failure, I'll never make it. You know what? You're right. You won't. Because you're constantly worshiping the thing that supports the idea. I will say it again, bro. You're worshiping the thing that supports the idea. That's building an altar. And the thing about altars is, altars are a place where something must die. And many of us have laid our purpose on the altar ooh, for the exchange of a quick fix. Whew. We've laid our destiny, we've laid God's will, we've laid the righteousness of God, all for something that only fixes our identity for a moment. But Asa went in, started tearing down the altars because he realized without the Lord, they would all be in the same mess as his father. And that's why he said that the land is still ours. Why? Not because we fought for it. Not because we paid for it but because we sought the, the Lord. The land is still ours. What was he saying? I am what I am today because of the grace of God. I feel that this morning. I know some of you may not be where you want to be yet, but you're not where you used to be. Think about that for a second. You may not be exactly where you want to be, but you're sure not where you used to be. Some of us just need to look back over our shoulder and say, Lord, you've brought me a mighty long way. You, you brought me further than I even realized. I may not be where I need to be yet. And can I give you a fresh revelation this morning that's going to free you? None of us are where we need to be yet. And we'll never be until we get there because none of us are perfect, baby. So you need to look back over your life and say, Lord, thank you. Come on, thank you that I'm not where I used to be. I may not be perfect yet, but Lord, I'm on the way because you're taking me there. Come on, give him five seconds of praise right there. If you're glad that the Lord brought you a mighty long way. I feel like preaching this morning. So Asa recognizes what his nation needs. And can I tell you, it hasn't changed, y'all. It's what our nation still needs. I'm not here to be political this morning, but it still works. Do you know why our nation is in the mess it's in? It's not because of our government, y'all. It's because the church let stuff into our nation. Our church allowed people to build altars instead of putting people themselves on the altar. <laughs> Listen, y'all, if I didn't put myself on the altar, you wouldn't like who I was. If I didn't lay myself on the altar every day and say, Lord, I need you to crucify this flesh because in my flesh is no good thing. You wouldn't like who I was. You wouldn't be all holy. We need the altars restored again. The altars of God. That, that's old school preaching right there. We need the altars of God restored again in our nation. We need the altars of God. So he recognizes what his nation needs. What is it? A move of God. 
revival. So my question that I want to pose to us this morning is this. Are we willing to tear down the idols of our heart? And not just for us, but for those coming after us. You see, you can't think about just here and now. You have to think about things in the light of eternity. You can't just think about how you're going to get your house, how you're going to have your 2.5 kids. You can't think that way. You have to think generationally. You have to think about what are these decisions going to do for the body of Christ in 50 years? Oh, I'm going to go somewhere this morning. I believe that the doctrine of the rapture has made the church lazy. Because we think that we don't have to do things now because Jesus is coming back. We can play duck and cover and just wait around until Jesus comes back. The devil is a liar. And he has fooled the church into being lazy and not fulfilling her assignment. Can I tell you something this morning? He's not coming back until we fulfilled our assignment. Because he said, I'll return when you've reached the four corners of the earth and the gospel of my kingdom has reached every tribe and every tongue. Y'all, we have an assignment to do. And we can't just think about here and now. We have to think about the next generation. We owe them a move of God. I said, we owe them a move of God. That's why we're going to passionately pursue his presence here at near church that's why i'm going to preach to you like there's a thousand people in the room even if there's only 30 i don't care i'm going to preach like there's a thousand in the room not because of you or me but because my kids need to experience what i did when i was their age i want them to see a move of god that is passed down from my generation to their generation this isn't just for us, it's for our kids. And that's why, ooh, that's why we're going to tear down the altars and the idols of our heart. That's why I'm going to grab an axe and start chopping stuff down, y'all. I was going to have a big idol and altar this morning, but it just didn't work. It, it was too, oh, <laughs> no. We're going to start cutting stuff down. Not to make ourselves better, but so the next generation doesn't have to repeat what we've been through. Y'all, we're going to cut down depression. We're going to cut down anxiety. We're going to cut down lust. We're going to cut down all of the things that have hindered us. Come on, somebody. We're going to cut down sexual sin. Where our kids, are, it don't matter what's going on in the culture, y'all. They can have real identity here, even if it's whacked out in the culture. I know the culture's trying to confuse them, but if they learn it from mommy and daddy, there won't be an issue. Come on. We're going to teach them. We're going to cut down all of the confusion that our culture's teaching them. We're going to cut down sexual sin. Y'all, my kids are going to be virgins and get married virgins in Jesus' name. Oh, some of us don't believe in that anymore. I believe we're going to give the next generation purity. Come on. 
We're going to give the next generation identity. We're going to teach them who they are. Is there anybody in the house this morning? We're going to cut down every single evil demonic power of hell over our kids in Jesus' name. And I want to announce to hell today, they're coming down. They're coming down. Come on, somebody. Hell, your lies are coming down. Your power's coming down. Somebody shout, they're coming down. Come on. Somebody shout, they're coming down. Look at your neighbor and say, they're coming down. Come on, they're coming down. I'm going to switch on here. They're coming down. I feel like preaching this morning. They're coming down in Jesus' name. They're coming down in Jesus' name. Come on, clap your hands right there and say they're coming down. I'm only in the monitor, guys. They're coming down. This generation is going to have our David and Goliath moment. Where we stare straight into the face of hell and say, I don't care how big you are, you're coming down. I don't care how tough you are. I know everyone else is scared. I wish somebody would get with me at 9 o'clock this morning and say, you're coming down. Anxiety, you're not going to have my kids on pills. You're coming down. Depression, you're not going to take my babies. Suicide, you're not taking my babies because you're coming down. Come Come on, you're coming down. Somebody say you're coming down. You're coming down. Every stronghold is coming down. I said every stronghold is coming down. Every single stronghold is coming down in the name of Jesus. They're coming down. Give them some praise right there if you believe they're coming down. They're coming down. And so they tear down the altars. They tear down the idols. But in order to keep the old system out of it, it must first be replaced. And that's why in verse 4, he commanded the people of Judah to seek the Lord. And not only, get this, not only seek the Lord, but to obey his word. Because we've taught people how to seek God. We've taught people how to come in church. We've taught people how to listen to worship music, but very few know how to seek his face and obey his word. Because simply seeking his face will get you back in the old system again. Because the good emotional experience will wear off. And it comes down to the point of obedience. We can't teach our kids that they can get free in this amazing atmosphere without teaching them how to keep what they have. Because I don't know about you, I remember growing up like in youth camps and conferences and stuff like that, and kids would catch on fire, you know. But it never lasted. Because we taught them how to do this, Without doing this. I feel great at church. But I'm not in the word through the rest of the week. Man, I'm preaching better than you're letting on this morning. We taught them how to have experiences. Without keeping what they have. And so in verse 5 it says he removes it all. And because of Asa's actions. There was peace. There was no war. And I love this. There was rest. There was rest. 
There was towers built. There was walls and towers and gates and bars. You know what that is? Defenses. Defenses. We want to kick the devil out and think we're never going to have to defend ourselves again. Because the key is seek his face and do what? Obey his word. Seeking his face won't defend you against the devil. Jesus wasn't in the wilderness with the devil and said, oh, let me seek his face. No. What did he use? The word. The word. Somebody say the word. So we owe our kids a full experience in a move of God. And Asa was willing to do whatever it took to pass revival onto his son. And he did. His son's name was Jehoshaphat. And he successfully gave him a kingdom where the people were seeking God. And if we go to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 32, the Bible says this about Jehoshaphat, his son. Jehoshaphat was a good king. Following the ways of his father Asa. And he did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. Now we can read that and say, man, look at what Asa did. He produced a son that was good. But if you go to the next verse, it says, During his reign, however, he failed to remove all of the idols. And the people never fully committed themselves to following God. This really got me when I read it. Because it says he was a good king. And that he followed the ways of his father Asa. But at the end of his life, he had got complacent. Because we can do good things, y'all. We can live our good life. But be complacent. And not teach those coming after us. How to have heaven invade. And you know what happened? His son, the next kings in Israel, full of idol worship. Because Jehoshaphat had gotten complacent. Y'all, we owe our kids a move of God. I said, we owe our kids a move of God. Today's family day. Our focus is on families because most of our kids are starting school this week. Y'all pray for us in Jesus' name. Sadie's going into kindergarten and Pastor and I are an emotional mess. <laughs> I mean, our little girl's going off to kindergarten. It's Part of you's like, this is great. And part of you's like, my baby, you know. But we owe them. We owe them an inheritance. The Bible says that a good father leaves his children an inheritance. It's not just talking about money. It's talking about a move of God. Our kids should hear us pray. 
Our kids should see us seeking his face instead of binge watching shows on Netflix. I'm guilty. We owe them a move of God. And sometimes in order to give it to him. Because we think that, you know, tearing down idols. Yeah, let's tear them down. When really it's like this. Lord, tear them down out of my heart. Out of me. So they don't have to face what I face. Bow your heads with me today. Here in a moment, we're going to pray for our children. We're going to pray for our teachers. But right now, before we do that, I want to give us an opportunity to say, Father, I want you to tear down the idols of my heart. And maybe you're in this place today and you would say, Pastor Ranger, I'm, I'm struggling. And I need the Holy Spirit to come into my life and perform surgery. And tear down the idols. And maybe there's someone in this room this morning. Maybe you've never even surrendered your life to Jesus. So those idols are controlling everything you do. If that's you, I want to raise. I want you to raise your hand right now. No one's looking around. Come on, if that's you, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. I see hands going up. Come on, that's great tell you what let's stand all across this house we're going to repeat a prayer keep your heads bowed your, your head bowed your eyes closed and repeat this after me say father I see my need I'm controlled by my own heart but today I give it to you Tear down the idols, tear down the altars, and everything that keeps me from you. I believe that you died and rose again so that you could have my heart. In Jesus' name. Can we praise God right there for all of those that just gave their life to Jesus?